white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spirit of free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. We're going to die today demanding truth while we're still akin to youth. Better now than later on, now that fear of death is gone, never mind another dawn. You know what happened after that, they killed them. But they died right there for freedom. It is Black History Month on this February 1st. We're kicking it off with our teammate, Dr. Ken Harris, from 101.7 The Truth. And Ken, I'm glad we have you as a resource in this month because, you know, much of what Black History Month is typically focused on is just biographies of outstanding African Americans. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's more to the story of black history. And I know we're going to count on you for that. Absolutely. Boy, that's a big heaping of the world on my shoulders. And Some responsibility. And, and gold. And gold. <laughs> um, you're on. You're, you're, you're actually right. I think, I think that it's important that people remember that when we talk about the black diaspora, it's, it's that group of people that, however they were, were spread across the country, across the world, and that they make up a lot of different, um, ethnicities and a lot of different people around the world who have done phenomenal things just in the past year. And sometimes we forget because we spend all of our time looking at those big names like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and things of that nature, or uh, looking at the civil rights movement when actually after it, uh, blacks have become significantly more prosperous, home ownership, all, all the things that we need in order to, quote unquote, make it, we've done. So where are we at in that progression right now, and I know, I know one of the things you're going to be talking about on your show this week is the still lingering wealth gap between right. African-Americans and other factions of our society. So I, I guess uh, you, you do have to start, and I know it makes some white folks uncomfortable, but you have to start at the root causes of that and then get to where we're at today. Correct. Correct. And the root cause is slavery. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, there's a lot we can do to change it. There are ideas on ref, on uh, reparations and things of that nature. Some people for it, some people against it. But today we have laws, simple things like housing, like tax policy that, you know, a guy, Henry and Charlotte Seaborn, rich, white, started a lawsuit and eventually went to the Supreme Court. And that's why we have joint tax returns today since 1948. But then if you look at what... And then that time elapsed, and when you look at Daniel Patrick Moynihan, when he wrote the the Negro Family, he wrote the Moynihan Report in 65, he basically said, with all the things that are happening in, happening in the country, if you keep going down this road, major metropolitan areas in the country are going to be full of crime, drugs, and homelessness. And that's what we have today, because of those types of policies. And so what I'm looking at this week, I'm going to look at some literature that can help the larger community understand those types of things. And so I'm looking at a book, The Whiteness of Wealth. It's authored uh, Dorothy A. Brown. She wrote the book, The Whiteness of Wealth, How the Tax System Impoverishes Black Americans and How We Can Fix It. She's a tax lawyer. She didn't notice it until her dad was, they were doing taxes and figured out that because of the tax law, if you are the main breadwinner and you're working and your wife stays at home, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars. The first 50 is taxed at the regular rate. The second 50 is taxed at 50% and attributed to the wife. 
But if you have two people working where you both have to work in the household and you both make $50,000, you're both taxed at the highest rate. So you're literally making the same money but bringing home less with with housing laws, which is what I'll talk about next week, and suburbs, right? Mm-hmm. People go to college. They get married. Wife stays at home. Husband works. They literally take home more money instantly by virtue of the fact that they stay at home and they live in a suburb. And that pers- I think a lot of folks would be surprised that that persists to this day. We think of, you know, we'd like to think about the progress that we've made that right. ought, that ought rightly be acknowledged, but that there are still some things systemically that we can look at that injure no one but help others. Right. And that's because the people who designed it designed it for them. Right. We we designed it so that there are four things that are the most important thing that can help overcome the wealth gap: real estate, entrepreneurship investments and insurance those things aren't prevalent because they're not taught in black households and so for me it took me till i was about 30 and i started to realize that wow some of the things i buy myself or pay for myself I can own a business and the business can own them and they're deductible. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and so I've actually created that that generational wealth piece where I have the insurance and the investments and retirement and all those things. But how many people know that and how many people understand that the system was built for the majority of whites who are living in a suburb, two parent households, one doesn't work. And the tax law is golden to you. Dr. Ken Harris is our team in at 1017 The Truth. We'll be talking Black History Month and other issues like that through this month of February. So good to see you. Good to see you, too. You listen to his afternoon show every day right next door.